G'day team and welcome to a jam pack here to the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. I'm Sean Maloney and with me in the studio here in our Tarman Fox Sports headquarters are two of the best journos cutting around, Sam Worthington and Christy Doran. Fellas, so much to talk about. We haven't been in here as a threesome in quite some time. Bullish on you. It's been a while between uh, the, the original hardcore uh, members of the, the group, uh, Dave Dennis has left us, abandoning us for, for the riches and uh, glamour of Exeter. So, uh, yeah, nice to, to strip it back to basics. Yeah, pleasure to be back in the hot seat. It's been too long. DD back uh, over there with Exeter, with the Ch -ch -ch Chiefs, and their seasons are up and running in the Northern Hemisphere, so we will be watching on and reporting in on how DD and some of the others of the Aussies are travelling over in the UK. Right now, though, let's... We've got a few better on Fox Sports as well, don't we? The we sure do. Now. Showing tons of rugby. Yeah. You can't get enough. Uh, speaking of, let's talk firstly about the seven aside game and fellas I was lucky enough to head to Fiji just last week alongside George Gregan, Tiana Penatani and Stephen Hoyles to venture back to the village of Naveyango which is the home of newly crowned Olympic gold medalist Semi Kunatani for the first time since he had uh, claimed gold in Rio and the scenes that followed all captured and up on the website you can catch them for yourselves but were just Extraordinary! It was it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, it looked like an, an amazing experience. Um, obviously, it's a story that's gone around the world. Fiji's first ever gold medal, and um, yeah, you guys were lucky enough to to experience it firsthand. So, the punters can catch uh, replay viewing on Wednesday evening. Is yeah, that right? The whole show's up on uh, Wednesday night, seven thirty, of Fox Sports Channel five hundred two. Every element of that whole afternoon was so incredible. So we had no idea that it was the first time he'd gone back and. You arrive via boat, you're miles and miles from the coast, you may as well be on another planet, you're that far removed from the seven spots like Hong Kong, Singapore, London, Paris, it's like Jurassic Park and to see these people who, in terms of, their, in terms of what they have, um, which is fairly limited in terms of the, the mod cons like that we'd all take for granted, it's so limited number of the houses in the village don't even have windows. I mean, this is this is what we're trying. I'm trying to get across. Yet they are just the happiest people. And when they had that hero return, it was just such a magic moment. Yeah, Christy, you've had a good watch of it. What did you uh, What did you make of it all? Pretty special. It was special. It was pretty emotional actually to watch. To see, um, obviously, a, a huge amount of respect for the Fijian people for Sammy going back there. But Shawnee, I'm just interested to hear a little bit more about the man himself because he looks like a, a very humbled kind of man, adored by the village people there, and he, he was raised by. The women of the community. He was. So he lost his mum as a 15-year-old, his mum, Rosilla. Um, sadly, she passed away. So there was a group of ladies that um, brought him up in that village. He was there through till... He did tell me when I was chatting to him. In 2012, I think he moved out of Navayango and onto the bright lights of Sevens and the, the world outside of that tiny little village. And to see him go back... I mean, so many things... I think that's the beauty of why we all love sport is... Uh, it provides moments that transcend and to see that, you know, to, to ha see that connection he had with the ladies who'd raised him was just extraordinary. And then to travel down the road to the school that he grew up in uh, and Mangalare, I believe the name of the school was, and 
by that stage, Shemi had to shoot off to meet the Prime Minister of Fiji to get a, a bonus do. check that they'd been um, promised. So he and I think maybe Joshua Tuasova had to head off to Suva to collect that. So it left uh, Halsey, Tiana, myself and George Gregan to go in and sort of uh, unveil this new all-purpose court that the kids had had built for them uh, on their field there. Uh, firstly, to George Gregan, I've never seen anything like it. He is a icon. He's an idol. He's he's godlike in yeah. Fiji. I had no idea. I mean, I know that um, Greggs has that reach worldwide. He's one of the most recognisable uh, rugby players potentially there ever was. I was speaking to Halsey about it. When you think about yeah. instantly recognisable... Um, world-class players, Lomu, uh, Gregan, and then I struggle to, f- to round out a third. Can you guys think of anyone who is the second you see them that cuts through Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere? Is, yeah. there, is there another? I guess the English should point to people like Johnny Wilkinson and Wilkinson, Martin, Martin Johnson. You know what, Wilkinson, Wilkinson would be an icon. Yep. Wilkinson and Johnson, certainly, but beyond then, those I guess guys... Carter and McCall would be in that Correct, that Carter territory. and McCall. So there's, John, there's, John Hill's up there as well there's your five John Eels but I mean that when you think about how long test rugby has been in play to, oh. to have it limited to that almost ten it's almost like a, a grouping of the Mount 10. Rushmore they can cut between the two exactly yeah. they can cut between the two and Gregan he was mobbed everywhere yeah. we went photos Mr George Gregan Mr George Gregan did so you play body school, you were bodyguard you and Halsey no. were you? <laughs> <laughs> no they're such beautiful people all they want to do is come up and hug and shake hands and yeah. take photos so we get back to Semi Kunitani school and as I was saying the the unveiling was for essentially, there's still work to come, but a concrete slab where they'll cover it up and have a basketball court so that they can finally play um, when it's raining and muddy, as it often is in Fiji, through the through the wet months. They can't play on the field, can't play their footy. So yeah. this was, I mean, this is something that kids in Australia, most pretty you much take for granted, don't take you? totally for granted. And this was a huge moment. And to be there to watch their faces as Greggs unveiled the whole thing, um, the court named after Semi Kunitani now. He's got a legacy in that village as well as his name. It, it, it's hard to, it's hard to, it is hard to put into words the emotion that came through across that morning because it, it just showcased how special and how big that moment was for Fiji to win gold in Rio. And it, it's almost impossible not to have been cheering for them when you see what it meant. Mm-hmm. There was, I saw a great comment up on uh, on Twitter. It's gone viral, the Semi-Kunitani story. And someone from the Northern Hemisphere, you can check the Twitter bio, had retweeted the story and simply wrote across the top, we never stood a chance in reference to Great Britain in the gold medal match. And they didn't. I don't think anybody did. When you saw what it meant, when you saw who they were carrying through with them, forget about yeah. it. Their performance in the final was something else, wasn't it? That first half was all, you know, perfect sevens. It was quite extraordinary. It was so cool for a team that deserved it so much to produce their best rugby on that stage. Um, very, very cool. And yeah, be, let, let's hope it can carry on now. Ben Rowan, um, the coach who's become a, an absolute legend uh, over there, he's, he's obviously moving on now. Um, so let's hope they can, you know, get another good coach and, and continue on the, the, you know, absolute extraordinary Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters sort of uh, rugby that they, they play over there. And speaking to members of the team, well, Speaking to Semi and speaking to Jasavera Malua, who between them, the in the top five sevens players in the world, there's no question about that. Jasavera Malua in particular, at um, at this current time, and asking him, were you nervous? Did you? Were there any doubts? No, we knew we were going to win. You asked, you asked the locals, were there any nerves? No, we knew we were going to win. It was almost like it was a predetermined destiny for that side, and the preparation that they put into it, they knew. 
They had every base covered, yeah. and that's how it played out across those three days in Rio. Shawnee, just before we move on, yes, mate? Uh, Ben Ryan gone. He's, he's been such a huge part of Fijian rugby for the last few years. How much of a, a loss is it, and uh, to, to lose an influential man like him because he certainly embraced that religious, beautiful game they played in Fiji, didn't he? He, he, he sure did, and I think he will make such a great asset to any side around the world. Talk um, about hot property now, he can name his price, can he? Well, he, he can, and, he, and he, he many ways deserves that, that opportunity, but to have that, that, that magic touch to be able to harness um, that Pacific style, that Pacific style is such a rare trait, I think, in any manager to be able to harness that and maintain it and extract the best out of these phenomenal rugby players who... Um, who don't come from the same upbringing as, as the majority of guys who are playing professional rugby. I mean, the houses in Semi's village, for the most part, didn't have windows. There was no glass in the windows. You walk past Semi's house and you just go, this is just extraordinary that this guy has achieved the greatest moment you yeah. can in, in the sport. Because most look of at where he's come from. And to be able to harness that and have it delivered on the field is such an incredible thing. So Ben Ryan, you're right, um, where though he does have that have that uh, at his disposal now. And the next person who comes in obviously has to try and reach those same heights, but I think they will have taken so much out of what they their country has served up for them in the weeks previous that um, they'll want to just continue the continue that momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Before moving, I should say that uh, Ben, in communication with Ben Ryan, he says he's handing down a, a four-year report to the Fijian government on not only rugby in Fiji but sport across the, the landscape. So he's leaving a legacy, isn't he? He's not just you know jumping ship and, and you know leaving them with nothing. He's going to yeah sort of try and hand over the mm. bed, and I'm sure he's probably he might help and, and maybe finding the next coach for them as well. I'm not so too sure. So he's been handed a parcel of land over there as well <laughs> by one of the local villages, and uh, yeah, he, he deserves everything that comes his way because uh, it can be quite trying. You, I've seen a number of coaches, uh, 15s and 7s, try and make the way. Damien McGrath recently, um, who's been with Samoa recently, has, has just been moved on. So it just shows you there are a lot of politics at play through some of those island nations, and for Ben Ryan to be... I mean, you have governments getting involved mm. through those through those countries to be able to manage that and manage his squad uh, incredible incredible achievement on his behalf as well so yeah it was boys it was such a it was such a special special couple of days and that we were only there a couple of days but I just I just keep coming back to it you can't believe you know when you are in Hong Kong and you see the bright lights and the flashing neon and the LED and the Samsung building the HSBC building you're on Victoria Harbour to compare that to the village where he was up until 2012-2013 Semi Kunitani who then emerged as one of the best sevens players in the world and has won gold it's it's what's so great about this game yep. well said next alright get, get on to yeah, uh, your, get on to your trouble exciting stuff I hate, hate to be a, a Debbie Downer over here but uh, yeah back to the the tough times of the Wallabies trying to uh, I guess salvage their their season in this losing we haven't strength spoken since we didn't speak post Wellington did we it was tough no, too much you guys left the country and uh, <laughs> we just, and discussed we did too we got out of there <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know what did you guys make of it I'll, I'll lean on you first oh well look once again I think it just came down to a few fundamental errors across the board ill discipline uh, giving away the ball dropping it um, you've you've got a you got to win the collision up front before you can, that the backs can 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 do anything with the ball, and we certainly didn't do that in either of the two test matches. So it wasn't a surprise that we got uh, towed up again. 
Yeah, the Wallabies obviously came in with a, a plan to niggle the All Blacks, uh, get physical, a, a bit of off-the-ball stuff. Um, and, yeah, look, nothing wrong with being physical, but I think it, it did illustrate they were probably trying to keep the game close rather than actually go out there and play football and try and win it. So, yeah, it's, it's been a it's pretty tumultuous times in Australian rugby at the moment. Obviously, we had uh, Checker going off at the refs afterwards, and there's been plenty of back and forth across the Tasman, and he, he's clearly feeling the, the pressure six losses in a row now. So it's hard to overstate this this test against the Springboks, who are struggling as well up in, up in Brisbane. I mean, if they... If they don't win this one, um, the knives are really going to come out. So, uh, yeah, the, absolutely massive, uh, massive stakes this weekend. It's hard to believe it's been almost <coughs> 10 months since the Wallabies won a game of Test Match yeah. footy. Argentina in the World Cup semis. And when, do you know what date that was? I was going to whip that up for the show this week. Oh. I was going to, you know, you, you do the calculator, you put in two dates, gives you the exact number of days. I think it was September 24, because the... F- well, no, sorry, October, October 24, 24, the final was on the 31st, yeah, so, be, so it would have been... right in saying in 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been, speaking of that, I, after the day after they lost in Wellington, 4,736 days since we held the letters live, so a few more than that now. It's extraordinary. A few more than that Yeah, now. and oh, um, yeah, it's hard, hard to see that turning around in a hurry. Um, so yeah, obviously got to focus on the short term now. The Blitterslow's gone for another year. They've, uh, these other teams, South Africa and Argentina and Australia, I think are really even. It's um, nothing between them at all, as we've seen with South Africa and Argentina splitting your game. So yeah, I guess home ground advantage. You uh, should give the Wallabies an edge this weekend. Uh, but I know you watch the watch the South Africa Argentina game closely, Christy. How, how do you think the Springboks are, are tracking? Well, what we know of the Springboks is they're generally pretty big. They're, they're physical. They've got huge forwards. But they're, uh, their set piece, yes, their line out still functions pretty well. Uh, got a couple of tall locks in there. And they're a very capable back row. But um, their front row still has some question marks over them. Scrum, every second scrum was being penalised over in uh, Argentina a couple of weeks ago. So I think the Wallabies will certainly see that as a, an area that they can hopefully at, at least draw parity with. Um, but... They've got some silky skills, um, the Argentines as as well as the Springboks, and um, certainly not an easy test. But yeah. uh, the Springboks aren't the, the team that they were a few years ago. And they're in similar, you know, tumultuous state to Australia. The Springboks, Adrian Strauss, the captain, who's only just come up come on board, mm. um, he said, "No, I've had enough. I'm I'm retiring from Test rugby." So that's that's a strange one. That doesn't seem to quite add up with what's going on over, over there. So Alistair Kutz here, he, he's also under under pressure after a loss to Argentina. And yeah, the box will be coming. I think there'll be a lot of niggle in this game as well, like there was in Wellington. <laughs> and uh, the the box will be coming after the Wallabies line out uh, big time. They'll they'll smell blood at the line out for our, sure. Our record against the box in recent times isn't much chop either. We got popped up there, I think, in 2014, wasn't it? We got it we got rolled there. We got I mean, we got cleaned up. And ahead of that game, we had a terrific record against South Africa at Suncorp. Uh, it went there, I think, 20. Last year, you just beat 15? them at the Tevita Kirinjani, the uh, buzzer with Kirinjani over in Perth. You're correct. Yeah. That's like, right. That, 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 I think that was in 2014. Oh, was that 2014? Yeah. What I mean, 2013 was Foley got, got a late, late penalty. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. It was, um, yeah, it was. Rob Horn, I think, scored late, didn't he? Okay. I'll Over in Perth. Yeah. So it was last year? Last year. No, no, it was the previ- previous year. But uh, last year was Kieran Jani in the 80th minute. When the, uh, At Suncourt, right? It last was. Year? Only oh. just got over. There was question marks as to whether or not he actually did ground the ball. But yeah. it, it, I like to go back. Look, had we not scored that try, Stephen Moore, he, he pointed to, to, to the corner 
They ended up scoring. Had they not got over and won that uh, that game, I reckon 2015 would have been a completely different result. Mm. The momentum that they got from that win was huge. They didn't. They couldn't afford to get a draw. They lost. Right. They lost right. the You're ability right. Right. to win. So it, right. it, it, this could be yeah. a huge turning point, I think, in in, in the in the 2016 season. And you're right; it's a huge one. They have to win. Yeah, and there's um, yeah so much debate now. Obviously, after a few losses, everything's been called into question. I mean, the, the parts of the team that were considered a strength with Pocock and Hooper um, working so well last year. Now people are saying, "Oh, that can't that can't work." I I personally think they've both got to be in the starting lineup. It's not not the ideal balance, is it? Especially with the line out, but they're still two of Australia's best players. I think they've both still got to be there. What What do you guys think on that? Shawnee, uh, you're a former back rower. <laughs> <laughs> like, how important is it I to wish. have it? How important is it though to have it? A big bloke who can try to dent the line. All right, you know what? After having had watched, um, and bear with me on this, and you guys are very, very savvy in terms of what's happening in terms of qualification and the like, Taniella Tupo is fully qualified to play for Australia. Am I right in saying that? As far as I know, yep. Yep, that was my understanding. Doran, you're yep. pretty good on this sort of stuff. Wasn't he saying that over in Auckland, tearing it up? And yeah, but he, he didn't play New Zealand schools, yeah. so I don't know... That I, if he's, if he's, you're calling for him to be fast tracked. He's the most damaging ball runner in the country, and I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here. I have seen him waste high quality opponents in the NRC over the last couple of weeks. He destroyed uh, Robbie Abel from the Brumbies. Not first a, hit, not a huge, not a first hit up of the game. Not a, Robbie's obviously not up there with Stephen Moore in terms of his recognition as a name, but that guy can play football and he can hit. He hits hard. Got hammered. I saw Taniela Tupo destroy James Hansen on a rockety, rickety old ground at Harlequins Oval at the weekend. Every time he touches a ball, it's two and three to put him down. Try assist over the last little bit as well. I would just love to see him tossed in there. And if it's not for the rugby championship, then the end of season tour as a number eight and not a prop. Big ball carry number eight. Yeah, that's well, isn't that what we always talk about? Isn't that the one yeah. thing that po- has been popping up year in, year out since Cliffy was at his 100% best? Yeah, interesting one. Lepetti Tamani's another name that's being bandied about as a possibility. I don't know if he's played much number eight. Um, but yeah, you're talking about the, the, the end of year tour is probably the place for it. I think Marika Korobiti, he's going to go on that tour, the, the Melbourne Storm winger who um, tore it up again on the weekend. So yeah, look, uh, big, don't, big don't call. Don't shoot, don't shoot. If he's, if he's not qualified and he's got a couple of years to run, sure. But I just would love, to, I would love to see every time he touches a ball. And it, when obviously if you get to a test level, there's so much focus that goes on the set piece and that sort of stuff. You don't have the luxury of being able to shift your mind towards carrying the appeal because it's such a um, heightened effort for such a longer period of time. But man, Shawnee, you've seen a, this bloke run around a little bit in the NRC. Le- Leroy Houston, speaking of big boppers, mm-hmm. is he another bloke that hey, like he was in the first training squad he before June, June. Yep. hasn't been sighted since. Nope. Now, we know that he needed to work on his fitness a little bit, but a couple of months, he's only played a few games because of the end of the Super Rugby season and, and the gap between that and the NRC. But I, I think that's still, I think that fitness is still coming with Leroy. He had some good touches in the first game that I saw his, his hit out in his first game was quite good. Um, and then he was improved again. Scored a try. The, improved again for the run uh, at the weekend. So I think as he comes on, but in terms of damaging lines and damaging defensive um, patterns, I've... 
Tupo is head and shoulders above anyone else in the NRC at the moment. Time to let Sean McMahon off the leash, isn't it? He had that broken schnoz which kept him out of the Blitters Low Cup games. I, as I understand, he's going to be uh, fit for the weekend, and unless you guys know anything different, I'd, I'd let him off the leash. He must be absolutely itching to get out there and, and run into some box. Yeah, I think he will be fit. The only reason why, why he didn't come into uh, the reckoning last time was a bit of an infection from the from the broken nose that he got. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I don't necessarily know if the back row is where we're losing it here. I think certainly the line-out is something that we need to work on. And, and all this swapping and changing in the, the second row, quite frankly, I think yeah. is really frustrating. You look at the best teams in the world and they have continuity in that second row, you've got Whitelock, you've got Retallick, the Springboks, you've got Luigi Jager, and you've got Etzbeth, and the same in England now when you've got uh, a couple of those guys like Cruz and, and, and so forth. They're all there, stability, and I think we need that. Although it, it's difficult because um, we've seen Douglas just come back. He's still finding his fitness. He's not quite there yet. Adam Coleman, young buck coming through. Rob Simmons, yeah, he's a line-out caller, but what else does he offer? I reckon that's personally where we need to solve first. Yeah, I think they've, I think under Checker they've had something like eight different locking combinations. Um, so yeah, they, they, I reckon that is the the most pressing issue trying to settle on a, a combination. It's hard, I guess, because there's no real standout contenders. You can only play what you've got, and he's he's still juggling around trying to trying to find that uh, combination. So I reckon Luke and Tui is another one to watch um, up at, up at the Reds. He's a really good prospect. I think he'll be there in years to come. Um, yeah, but there's not too many positives at the moment, are there? I think Will Guinea's form's been good at halfback, um, so yeah, and he's going to be a really important leader for this Wallabies team for the rest of the season, I reckon. I'm looking forward to seeing how they measure up. I think you guys touched on it so perfectly earlier. Um, they've been up against the best side in the world, the best side that there's been since anyone can remember. To come back a touching class, um, to use a horse racing term, it'll be, yeah, it'll be intriguing to see how they go up against... The yeah, Bocca this weekend. I reckon the Wallabies will be fine against South Africa this weekend. Yep. Uh, yeah. I think they will. They will get over the line. Are you confident, Christy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I, I said that earlier before we came on air. I think so. Um, it, it's important they start well, though. Always is, but particularly uh, with all, all the disappointment, the frustration. They they know the the chips are down at the moment, and uh, they've got to come out strong. And I think that first line out for Moore is going to be really important too. It's easy to it's easy, isn't it, to heap heap it on them? But with the bladders like gone, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's gone, done and dusted. Let's turn our attention to the back end of the tournament and start trying to get them home. Because well, were they not you? But Dawn and I, in particular, want to see Australia win. Doing it tough, yeah. I think, uh, as I've said before, I'll, I'll be battling for a job if, uh, if the Australians <laughs> keep losing. So I think, and, and the, I mean, the Aussie public can accept, uh, you know, a, a, a loss to one of the best teams in history, the All Blacks, that accept that if, if you know, Australia also played well and, and, and ran them close, but we didn't really see that. And then the, the losses to England, I think three zips, that's unacceptable to the Aussie rugby fan at home, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, losing to South Africa at, at home on top of that, uh, yeah, you're really going to start getting the casual punter turning on this team um, and... and and yeah, you know, division happening within Australian rugby. So this is absolutely massive. Uh, this this game on the weekend, the they, they can't afford another one. Gents, I'm going to spring something <laughs> upon you. Sean needs a cuddle over there. He's starting oh, to. What's oh, right. I love him so much. I love him so much. No. I was so down the day after Wellington. I was so down. I was so more so the week before. I just, 
June. Jens, I want to hear. I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear something positive. What's one positive from 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 the year so far? I've given you Will Guinea. I've done one. That's that's me done. Shawnee. Uh, are we talking about overall across yeah, right. all six test matches? Yeah. That's a good question. That's a hell of a question. Uh, the shining light through that period of time. Well, can't, you obviously have one locked and loaded. I thought, you wouldn't have asked a question if you didn't. didn't I thought know. Quade Cooper played pretty well in Wellington considering what he was asked to do. He hadn't played in a long time. He stood quite deep. Um, and, and But his kicking game was actually good. He didn't get any... Good quality ball. I actually thought he handled uh, the pressure reasonably well. And, um, yeah, Bernard Foley's loss of form's a, a puzzling one, and he's not really a number 12, is he? So, yeah, I think Quade's done enough to, to be persevered with, but w- whether Foley can uh, carry on at 12 is, is a bit of a, you bit know of a debating point. I blacked June out. Like, June never happened <laughs> for me. That whole month does not exist. Yeah. Uh, more recently, the other two games, I like the way Adam Coleman played in Wellington. I thought he aimed up and had a good crack. And prior to that... In the test match prior to that, I thought Poe was good. So there's my there are my two little bits. But Coleman, I like the way that he came on in that second test. Bit of niggle? Bit of niggle. Just a big unit. Just a big angry unit. Yeah. Look on to his... Actually, you know what? That'll be the perfect jump off into NRC. So, uh, Wallies by how many were they? Oh, mate. Uh, five points. It'll be tight. Five points. Uh, Wallabies 29-17. I'm going to go a return to form for the Wallabies, points to, points to finally click, points to come easily. Uh, I'm going to put them at 35, Springboks 22. That's okay. going to be my margin. Uh, look on to it. We're talking about second rowers. Let's use that as the perfect step into the world of the NRC, which has racked up two rounds of action, and the Sydney Rays sit top of the pops and have looked very impressive, and a num- so too have a number of players popping up, including Lukan Tui, uh, straight on the 20s, second row, cutting around with the Brisbane City team, and was killing it on the weekend before being knocked out and having to leave the field due to a head injury assessment. Didn't see any more of him the second time around, and the first up game was just dropping blokes left and right. I love what I see of Lukan Tui. He is enormous. Yeah, yeah, I, I sort of first saw um, a real good piece of him at the Under-20 World Cup, and that was complete men against boys stuff. He was manhandling um, opposition. So, yeah, I think that's the dynamic ball carrier that uh, the Wallabies forwards are really missing, um, and, and he's going to be learning from the best up there at the Reds with, with Brad Thorne as well. So, yeah, a really exciting prospect, I think. And uh, the Sydney Rays, who you touched upon, and made, a, made a great start under Simon Cron. The what about Simon Cron? Hasn't lost a game 15 straight, 13 right? on the bounce mm-hmm. with north and suburbs. He's a man to follow to the lotto store. Oh, he's got the touch, man. Yeah. So he nailed it with M2 from two with the Sydney Rays as well. He's really got the whole team playing as one. Uh, that cultural change that we saw at all the suburbs was massive over the last year, two years, and, and, and he's taken that through to the NRC level. That's my positive. I think the NRC, actually, there's a f- quite a few internationals going around there now. Obviously, we've seen Robbie Simmons go back, and he, he cops a bit of flack, but it's good to see these test players get back into play do NRC. You know what, do you know what I found very, very interesting over the first two rounds of the NRC, and particularly on Sunday... Melbourne Rising fielded a super rugby team. Seriously, a super rugby team bar two players, one in the forwards, one in the backs, who were, who were local products. And they got 
towed up mm. in the first half by Queensland Country, who were predominantly made up of Queensland Premier Grade players. So when these young guys are getting a shot at more established Super Rugby players, they are taking it, and they are winning that battle for the most part. I don't know what um, what rising coach Zane Hilton said to them at halftime, but he must have given them an absolute spray because it was disgusting, for want of a better term. What that side rolled out with the cattle that they have and just looking at their body language, I was astounded at what I saw. They eventually won. They did a terrific job to come back in the second half and roll Queensland country. But to see these young guys get a crack at the bigger names, um, they're, they're relishing it. And that's lifting everyone to that next step up. The footy has been great through the NRC. And as uh, some of these other codes start to fall away throughout uh, September and October in terms of their finals and narrowing the games down, Broadcasting two games the NRC, I think we're going to get more eyeballs on it, and I think people are really going to enjoy enjoy what they see. Yeah, and yeah, it is uh, shaping as a really hard to predict competition this year. The Vikings, uh, who were I think most people's favourites to take it out this year, um, after the first week at, at least, they were they were tipped over. So, uh, who do you boys like to maybe uh, like, take out the title? I at like stage? the team that rolled the Vikings at the weekend. Yeah, I like the New South Wales Country Eagles. They've got a great balance of uh, up front and out the back with Horwitz, Kellaway, Robinson out back. Um, Jake Gordon from uni's going well. And up front, oh man, this kid, Rowan Perry. I've seen a fair bit of Rowan Perry over the last couple of years. Uh, extraordinary. He's super rugby ready, this kid. He's he's ready to roll, step into it. Ned Hannigan from the Ramwick yep. Club in Sydney. Just... Good tough country uh, boy. Just the toughest... Just the toughest. He's hungry for carries, hits hard, going going super well. Uh, they're well served up front with Ryan Latu, some super rugby experience, Ryan Latu and Robertson. Uh, they are a very well-rounded team. So I'm going to say the New South Wales Country Eagles are my pick after two rounds of the competition to do the whole thing. Darren Coleman, excellent coach as well. Yeah, it's a great turnaround from last year, particularly for the Eagles. But uh, look, I, I like what we're saying from from the Rays at the moment. I, I think their defence is impeccable at the moment. They're not conceding too many that break down, and then when they do, they've got the likes of Jack Dempsey and Will Miller who are going in there. Um, if they continue to just to, to, to build on that momentum, they don't quite probably have it in the. Well, they've got Matty Lucas at, at half oh, back. Love Love watching May Lucas get around. Quality so. play. It's good to see Cam Clark uh, back at fullback. Made his debut in the NRC um, on the weekend too in that wet, wet match at North Sydney Oval. Yeah, no. So it's it's good footy. It really is, and it's going to continue to get better and better over the coming weeks as well, fellas. That's a very well-rounded podcast. Ticked off some of Fiji. Ticked off some Test match footy and NRC. Bit of variety. Yeah, it's good mix. Good mix in there. Um, we'll. Keep our eye on both your work on the foxsports.com.au website over the next couple of days leading into the test match at Suncorp. And, man, he's hoping the Wallabies can get a win. Uh, The other rugby show and Rugby 360, Wednesday night from 7.30pm. Again, you can get a look at the semi-kunatani piece on your flat screen or if you want to watch it on the lines, just head to the Fox Sports Rugby Facebook page or to the foxsports.com.au website. Right now, though, it is time to pull the curtain down on this one. I am Sean Maloney and saying farewell to Wertho and Christy Doran and to you as well with this podcast running through your ears. We'll see you all again next time.